The Accutron Show. Accutron. It's not a timepiece. It's a conversation piece. With your host, Bill McCuddy, and contributors, Scott Alexander and David Graver. You're looking at 50 pieces there on the table. This is the size of this puzzle. And so you say, okay, this is chaos. And so your goal is to make order out of chaos. The voice you heard at the top of the show is Steve Richardson. He's known as the Chief Tormentor, and he'll explain why. He's the founder of Stave Puzzles, the Rolls-Royce of Jigsaw Puzzles. What's that exactly? But first, me, Bill McCuddy. Who's that exactly? Together with culture writer Scott Alexander and cool hunting editor David Graver. Gentlemen, uh, do you remember the first time you poured over a, a tabletop a puzzle that somebody like your grandmother said, Oh, we're all going to do the puzzle now. And the the look and feel of horror that went through you, David? They were always in my house growing up. There was always a puzzle being worked on. It was always somewhere around. My grandparents were big puzzle players. I I, I secretly now harbor hatred toward them because they were— The puzzles or your grandparents? <laughs> <laughs> or both. Let's keep it to the puzzles. But I don't—I I no longer derive joy from doing them. I don't get a snap or a click or a—I don't know. Sometimes— I need, um, I need trauma. <laughs> like when 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 somebody when I need to really just zone out some like where TV won't take me out of it and a video game won't take me out of it like a puzzle does something different to your brain. Yeah, the psychologists that uh, I researched a little on this guy are, are all saying the same thing that there's a feeling of satisfaction and that it's let's face it it's it requires a little more brain work than just surfing on the net or watching. Uh, fod- but there's something, something relaxing and almost. Hours. It it almost feels like to me uh, like watching Bob Ross. I do that to relax sometimes. That painting guy? Yeah, the painting guy. The happy <laughs> little trees guy. It is the most relaxing thing ever because it's content free in a way. Are you a 500 puzzle person, a piece puzzle person, a, a thousand? I'm more of the, I need to be able to finish it. Uh, so I'm not going to have it uh, sitting out for weeks and weeks. I need to do it. Well, like, I got to tell you, when I told people that Steve Richardson was going to be the guest today, I... Out of the woodwork, friends who I had no idea even knew about this uh, Stave Puzzle Company said, ask him this, ask him that. They, it turns out that uh, it has a cult-like following, and he has resisted growing. The reason maybe some people listening to this don't know about it is, uh, besides they don't want to be tormented, uh, they, <laughs> they uh, you must enjoy torment. They have sort of decidedly kept the company small and resisted. I think he knows practically everyone uh, on his customer list and can name them by name. So uh, he's in his 80s. He's been doing this for over 30 years, and he's got to have a mischievous side or a dark side because uh, some of the puzzles don't even have pieces that go into the puzzle. How do you concept something like that? What is it like <laughs> to invent a puzzle, to to manifest art and design to make something that people could just while away at. Well, and it's one thing to make a puzzle and to say, like, I'm going to make something that's hard to solve. It's another thing to make one that goes for a thousand, three thousand dollars where you're making out of better materials. You're putting better craftsmanship into it. And we're used to seeing these things in watches, in cars, in electronics, you know, these kind of amazing creations. But someone who's devoting that level of artisanship to leisure is extremely interesting to me, and and I think that's a great 
it's a it's a great service he's giving the world. Handmade, hand cut. The blades they use are the size of uh, like hair, like tiny, tiny, tiny brushes or uh, these saw blades, and they do them one at a time. They're cherry wood on the back. They're expensive because they're difficult to put together, but they're also expensive to manufacture. We're going to learn a little bit about what's going on for the company during the pandemic. I'm reading that a great many people staying at home are doing a lot more puzzles. So I'm going to guess yeah. that business is up. Bookstores ran out of puzzles. Place, the Amazon ran out of puzzles. People couldn't get their hand on jigsaw puzzles. I ended up being in Connecticut for some time and drove to a bookstore and was able to get my hand on the last one they had <laughs> as a gift. Right. But there's something nice about laying your fingers onto that nice finely milled you know, wood in the same way that there are backgammon sets that go for thousands of dollars and chess sets that go for thousands of dollars. They, these, the aesthetics matter when you get down to these, these moments of, of soothing. There's self-soothing and tactile. It's something right. to do, something to enjoy and the sense of completion. But playing around with little bits of cardboard, nowhere near as satisfying. No, <laughs> and they, uh, they sent us a few. And we got to put them together. Did you, uh, Scott, were you able to I completed yours? mine yeah. uh, with all the really frustrating elements uh, <laughs> that associate, were associated with them. I had a little help from Mrs. McCuddy, and then she called a stave. Uh, we couldn't get it quite done, and then she called a stave. By the way, we should explain. This puzzle was maybe three inches by five inches. It was like a postcard. Yes. Uh, it had no square corners. or ra- It was it was, had a wavy, almost scalloped uh, yep. edge. And so right out of the box, you're going, well, wait a minute, this is, this isn't right. Yeah. There's no is. edges to this puzzle. Some of these puzzles, the ones that are two, three and $4,000 for the devoted, uh, have thousands of pieces and some of the pieces don't go in the puzzle. Comes with some extras. That's I, nice. I've <laughs> got to be honest. I have yet to open my puzzle because of fear and anxiety around. But Steve's story is so interesting to me. If any brand could probably get me into puzzles, I suspect it's this one. I liked the mind numbingness of it. I wonder if when he got into this, when the light bulb went off in his head, I'm going to have a games company, if he ever thought it was going to be so lucrative. Yeah, well, I think the one he replaced was making expensive puzzles, but uh, they went out of business. So why do you want to do it? Well, there's a lot of businesses going on now that that uh, focus on this kind of leisure, but most of them are electronic. Video game companies, you know, are a lot of those are puzzle-based. There's a whole genre of video game that's based on that. And Pete, they have people, you know, they're spending millions of dollars to produce these things. Of course, they're software. They're infinitely reproducing. And they aren't niche like this company. That's uh, right. Up in Vermont, making these by hand and refusing to grow. And he's been doing this for over 50 years. So he's devoted. His fan base is devoted. The clientele keeps coming back. And some people spend up to $50,000 a year doing this. We will try to piece together the very interesting Steve Richardson on the Accutron Show. The world runs on Accutron time. Accutron watches since 1960 from New York City to around the world. Steve Richardson may be one of the most hated men and loved in the world because he makes puzzles that drive people crazy. Steve, welcome to the Accutron Show, and tell us how all of this got started. Well, in an amazing way, thank you, I don't know if you guys are old enough to remember the best-selling book, The Happy Hooker. <laughs> oh, boy. I actually am. And I never would have guessed uh, that had anything okay. to do with this, but uh, please continue. Well, that's why, Go on. That's why I, I, keep this, I keep this secret just between the four of us here. <laughs> so, 
Back in 1970, I was laid off with 20 other people from a computer job up here in Hanover, New Hampshire, Dartmouth College area. And I was out on the tin cup, uh, on the corner with tin cup, and uh, trying to figure out what to do. I was married, had two young sons, uh, just four and two. And my wife and I had moved all around a lot before that. And she said, honey, we're staying. We just bought a house, and we're staying. Figure it out. And so... I teamed up with a graphic designer, David uh, Tibbetts, uh, uh, who was also laid off from this computer company among the 20 of us. And over beers one night in Hanover, New Hampshire, we said, okay, what are we going to do? And David says, he liked to design games. And I said, I like to design games. And so we, we put together, we started a company called Strategy House. And uh, we dreamed up cardboard games. And, and cardboard jigsaw puzzles uh, and sold them to Macy's and Gimbel's and Filene's, uh, upscale department stores. We uh, we did that for a, a couple of years, and then David came up with the idea. He said, you know, there's a best-selling book out there called uh, uh, The Happy Hooker. This was a, one of the first times that a book had gone directly to paperback instead of hardback. And, uh, no. <laughs> that's that's Xavier so, uh, Hollander, right? Xavier Hollander, You got right. it. Yeah. You got it. You got it. And I said, well, that's a crazy idea, but boy, you know, here we are starving, but we're, you know, eking out a living, making games. So we went down to New York. We found her, Xaviera's manager, uh, located at 410 Park Avenue in New York City. Go up to his fancy office, and he's on the phone with the likes of uh, Buddy Hackett and Jerry Lewis and Gladys Knight. And so this is a big-time talent uh, company. And so we pitched the idea to the lawyer. Let's do a happy hooker game. He said, oh, that's great. Okay. <laughs> and so he, 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 he set us up with a game company, and the game company loved the idea, and they went to press on the game, happy hooker game, then turned around and went to uh, Filene's and Gimbel's and Macy's, and they said uh, they wouldn't touch that with a 10-foot pole. <laughs> yes. And then one day, Shortly thereafter, a wealthy gentleman from Boston calls and said, I've been buying fancy wooden jigsaw puzzles from these two characters from Lofton, New York City, and they're out of business. They started in 1934. This is 1974. And he said, can you, can you help me out? I said, well, we only do cardboard. I, you know, I almost flunked woodworking in junior high. and I don't know about <laughs> making uh, wooden puzzles. But I, I, I was curious. I said, because we David and I were getting $3 wholesale for a cardboard puzzle. I said, uh, sir, how, how much have you been, were you paying these two guys in New York for these fancy dancy puzzles? And he said, $300. Wow. Well, let me tell you, back then in 1974, right. $300 was a lot. Yeah. You know, we were eking out a living here. My wife was working for an engineering company, and our mortgage was $247 a month. And I said, to, I said holy crow, David, uh, all we got to do is sell two puzzles a month. We each got our mortgage covered. <laughs> and so I rocketed down to Boston the next week, went up to his fancy office in the Prudential Center, and he pulls out this beautiful box, and, and I open it up, and I gasp, and it's this beautiful wooden jigsaw puzzle uh, made by the New York company, and all these fancy pieces in there. And I said, oh, my God, I don't, I don't know. Uh, I'm Mr. Klutz here, but I say, can I, can I borrow that from you? Uh, 
uh, and be- go back and show it to David and my father-in-law, who was an engineering professor at Dartmouth. And he said, yeah, I'm desperate. I need these puzzles to give my wife her birthday and <laughs> Christmas. And, uh, and, and I, I did a little research, and, and this company had been written up four years before by uh, Wall Street Journal. And in it, it said their customers included the Rockefellers, DuPonts, Mellons, Phipps. I said, whoa, they got a really interesting <laughs> client base that's just hanging out there wanting puzzles. And so I convinced David in the summer of 74 to see if we could learn how to make these babies because we knew also that we needed to market it. And so here's where it comes in. The 25000 was still sitting in the checking account pretty much. And we said, let's run six one-inch ads in New York. You know, those are the ads at the back oh, of the yeah, magazine. Yeah, yeah. Just little. And so we took out an ad for six weeks starting September. Now, this is in, this is in June. And we still didn't know how to make these babies. <laughs> and so... We, it was a race. If you build it, they will come. But let me just, let me stop you for just a second. The other company went out of business. Didn't that give you any pause at all? Did anybody say we may, we shouldn't be doing this maybe. Well, one died and the, and the other guy retired (laughs) and I called the other guy and he blew, and he blew me off. He said, I'm retired, you know, go jump in the lake. I said, oh, geez. Oh, now get this. The ad broke in the middle of September. On a Saturday, as New Yorker, New Yorker magazines arrived then. And on Monday, we got a call right off the bat from a gentleman in Cape Cod. He said, I want one of those puzzles. And uh, it was our, we had a, a shared, a lawyer's secretary in town. We had a one little room office down there. And she took the guy's name down and said, we'll send you a catalog, Mr. Lilly, J.K. Lilly Third, as in Lilly Drugs, on the Cape. And so... This is on a, on a Monday. So we sent him on a catalog on a Monday. And Tuesday, a $300 check arrives in the mail. I said, whoa, what do you mean? You didn't even get the catalog. Send the puzzle. I'll take it. And the, <laughs> the, ad, the ad said from $300, right? So we wanted to make sure everybody knew these were expensive puzzles. Well, he sent a $300 check. And, and then on Friday, sent him a puzzle. Because his letter note said, just send me anything, $300. <laughs> And so we did. And then on Monday, that following Monday, a, t- a check for $2,600 arrives in the mail. He hadn't even gotten the puzzle yet, but he'd gotten our catalog, and he bought every puzzle in the catalog. And this gentleman, get this, averaged 50000 a year for 20 years. You still have people spending a tremendous amount of money on these puzzles, right? Yeah. We do. Oh, yeah, absolutely. They get addicted, and they have all the money in the world, and they're bored silly, and they just love us, and they love the puzzle. When did you become now, the chief tormentor? I'm very, very curious about this title. Somehow, after 1974, like the following year, 75, we got the Boston Globe's interest, uh, and we didn't have a PR person or anything, and they wrote up an article. And just to be cheeky in the interview, and they took pictures of us, they came up and they blah, blah, uh, and did a very nice article with two or three pictures. And in the article, I said, we make the most difficult puzzles in the world. That's, that was partially tongue-in-cheek, but I just wanted to catch somebody's interest out there. And so a customer bought, reading a Globe article, bought a puzzle, and uh, he called me up the following week and said, you know, I only worked a couple days on that puzzle, Steve. This is supposed to be the, you know, the hardest puzzle in the world. Uh, that irritated me. So I said, i got to design a puzzle 
that can be really, really difficult, and it can really torment people. So I invented, <laughs> I invent, I invented over the next couple of years, which are now trick puzzles. It's in the catalog. These are puzzles that go together more than one way. So one piece will fit in two places identically. Up that to 32 places. That is a nightmare. That, that's right, yeah. And so that that gave me the idea, all right, I really got a puzzle here. I'll call myself the chief tormentor because now I invented the trick puzzle, and I'm and these are really driving people really crazy. What is the process of inventing a puzzle like? How do you invent a puzzle? Uh, well, it's, uh, you know, I'm working with the saw and the wood, and, and there's certain, you know, there are limitations. This is not like anything electronic where you can do all kinds of fancy stuff in there. I said, all right, what can I do? And I said to myself, can I even craft it that way? Because uh, that's, that's challenging. And then, uh, you know, what would I do with it? And so one of my best trick puzzles is called Champ. It's, it's a snake type of puzzle, and it's only 44 pieces, and it's, it looks like a, the Lake Champlain sea monster, mythical sea monster called Champ. And so this 44-piece serpentine puzzle uh, you, you put it together by the marbleized paper and the head is on the left and the tail is on the right six inches away from the head. But you can, you can reconfigure the pieces so the tail wraps around and drops perfectly into the mouth of Champ. Oh, and all the pieces are, all the pieces are together perfectly. And so, you know, that is annoying. That <laughs> is, is annoying. And, and, and people, you know, if you are married to an engineer, let's say you're a woman or or or, or a man, and your your spouse is a know-it-all and really is proud of how of their puzzling abilities, and you really want to stick it to them, <laughs> then the, you slide you slide over and give them a trick puzzle for Christmas, <laughs> and or a subscription. That, we'll yeah, we'll talk right. about and those do, in a moment. Steven, yeah, do you even yeah. do you enjoy doing puzzles in your spare time? Well, here's, here's, you know, we sent you guys a puzzle, okay? You did. And I didn't even know, I didn't know what it was because I'm, I'm working out of home and, and Paul and Jennifer, who are now running the business, uh, I'm the kind of the chairman of the board and still chief tormentor. <laughs> I said, send these guys a puzzle. He said, well, we got some puzzles left over from a Twin Farms murder mystery puzzle party that didn't go. Steve, never tell uh, the spring. never tell the host we got the leftovers. <laughs> <laughs> the uh, well, I I hadn't seen the puzzle because I was at home and I and I put it. My wife and I put it together yesterday and today. And it, I don't know if you guys have even dumped it. Have you looked at the piece? Oh no, oh, I solved it. Mrs. McCuddy did oh. it uh, with a friend who she actually knows someone who was a subscriber for uh, $3,000 a year with someone else. We'll get into all the money and how this has grown into into all of that. But uh, I just want to say for those listening, the company is called Stave, S-T-A-V-E, and that's because it's you, Steve, and Dave, who at some point you bought out for like a dollar uh, at, at some a point in this process. Yeah, I think right. you got the good yeah. end of that deal. So, uh, <laughs> And the other thing I want people to try and visualize who are listening is that the puzzle you sent us doesn't have any uh, square corners or edges. It's wavy. 
Um, it's not entirely, well, first of all, you don't get a picture of what it looks like, like most puzzles do on the cover. You have to sort of figure it out yourself. And even when it's all together, they've got, it's got some elements that you're going, Hmm, is this correct? One of which, and I want you to explain, and then we've got some other questions. There's a little imp or, uh, who is this logo and what's his background? The little shadow guy that's in everything. That is our clown. David came up with that. That's our logo. We have a gold clown stamped in the middle of every puzzle box cover. And, uh, uh, and it's perfect because we're clowning around. We're, just, we're entertaining. We are the court jesters in these people's lives. And David's original design of the clown had five fingers, but we cut a few five-finger clowns <laughs> and accidentally lopped off a couple. And so we... Redesigned it to only have three fingers, so it was more craftable there. Uh, the five-finger uh, clown, I think, is a euphemism for something. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I have to three-finger say— Three-finger means he could have been on The Simpsons, I think. Steve, when I was solving this thing, as Bill mentioned, there's no uh, straight edges along the outside. So when I started looking, what I usually do is you solve a puzzle like looking for the edge, and I finally found an edge. And I was like, oh, I found the corner piece. This is great. It turns out that corner piece, uh, that straight edge— uh, was right in the middle of the center of the <laughs> well, puzzle. That, that's right. Damn you, this, this Steve. How we, we, we put phony corners in the middle of the puzzle, phony straight edges. We cut along the color lines between the red and the blue, for instance. You have extra uh, pieces in some of these that yes, don't do. fit yeah. anywhere. <laughs> right, yeah, yeah. So it's a... It's a, it's a marvelous uh, profession to have been in almost 50 years. This is my tongue's in my cheek all the time, and always coming up with ways or, or trying to come up with ways to really puzzle, perplex, drive people crazy. And it's just a, it's been a, a marvelous symbiotic relationship we have with our with our wonderful customers. So you have a lot of famous people doing these puzzles. Can you tell yeah. us? Can you share with us some of the? Some of the some of the big names that are are mad at you. Well, Bill and Melinda Gates have given me permission to use their name. They have been customers for thirty years, and it's uh, and we've been involved with them with puzzle projects. And they've come here to visit us, and we've been out there. And so, uh, serendipitously, uh, what really helped us people want because we don't sell the stores. This is all direct uh, to people. That way back uh, 30 years ago, a wealthy gentleman decided to build one of the fanciest uh, small luxury hotels just uh, uh, 30 minutes away from us here in, outside of Woodstock, Vermont, who happened to be a customer. <laughs> so he bought 10, built 10 cottages, 10 rooms called Twin Farms. Very, very fancy, elegant, exclusive resort. And he said, we want to have puzzles at our fancy resort because he, he loved us. And so scatter all through this fancy resort where you pay one, two, three, four thousand dollars a night are our puzzles. And that's how Bill and Melinda discovered us, because a friend came there when they opened that first week, discovered our puzzles, knew they loved puzzles, gave them a puzzle, and right off the bat, uh, they were hooked. So this was a it was a a, a a thrill to have them as customers, but a thrill to have all these years this fancy resort where the who's who of the world come to visit, see our puzzles, and come over and visit us and buy puzzles. Don't they walk out of the place with the towels and the uh, <laughs> and the soap? <laughs> well, that probably do. Well, they, and they walk out with the puzzles too. <laughs> yeah. And so yeah. we, uh, we each we have to grind our teeth, uh, and they do too. And say, oh man. 
because maids have seen them packing up, going, and there's a state puzzle <laughs> at the top of their suitcase, and the maid doesn't dare say anything. And so we all roll our eyes and say, geez, isn't that cheeky? They're paying all this money, but they're still walking out with a Because they couldn't solve it. Well, maybe that was it. Yes, of course. I hadn't thought of that, as a matter of fact. Steve. Yes, that's it. How good are Bill and Melinda Gates? Do you have any idea? Um, as puzzlers. As puzzlers. As far they, as puzzlers go. I think they're, they're, they're very, very good. Be prior to uh, them becoming our customers, they would buy identical cardboard puzzles, and they would compete with each other. The identical 500-piece puzzle. They have a race oh, on two separate card tables. <laughs> so they're good. They're good. I can tell you, Barbara Bush was a long, long-time customer. When they were in the White House, uh, uh, President Bush's uh, sister-in-law gave them a puzzle for Christmas. And I got a nice note from Mrs. Bush, and I sent her back to, a note to her. And it was, we have you know, a relationship for 30 years, and last six years of their lives, they invited us over to Kenny Bunkport for, for lunch. And they would have a state puzzle out on their puzzle table uh, all summer long. It was a thrill and a half. Uh, Steve, I'm curious, do you solve other people's puzzles that other people design too, or do you really just work on your own uh, designs? I rarely have an, another person's puzzle out there because I'm so spoiled. Look, you can go and buy a $15 cardboard puzzle, 500 pieces, and I find those really boring because I'm spoiled. You can buy a laser-cut puzzle for $150. And they're okay, but they don't do the fun stuff that we do in, in, throughout the puzzle. And and a, and a state puzzle is will be fifteen hundred to three thousand dollars. Now, you know when you think about that, I mean, you, you know, you can go buy fifteen dollar puzzle, hundred fifty dollar puzzle, or or a fifteen hundred three thousand dollar five hundred piece puzzle. Well, right now we have a state puzzle that we borrowed from the shop on our, on our puzzle table just to keep us busy and, and having fun during the COVID So crisis. you torment so, yourself. I want to get into COVID yeah. in a second, but uh, quickly, for those who are listening, the puzzles are still hand cut. Is that correct? And the One piece at a time, yeah. So yes. one puzzle at a time, one piece at a time. You've resisted growing to the point where that wouldn't be possible anymore. So you like to say, if I can make a thousand people happy, or I'm sure you have more than that, but you, you build a cult-like following and you'll always be true to them. And I admire all of that. Uh, but I, I, I'm curious to know, still handmade, haven't grown too, too big, how you have been able to get these people hooked. Now, one of the things I know besides the difficulty is that you offer a subscription program and people get a new puzzle, put it together, and then send it back to you. In a way, the original Netflix. Uh, how, how many people are doing that and how expensive is it? And we have about 100 people uh, <laughs> subscribing to that. And so that uh, basically started... Uh, when I came up with the idea of vacationing down in the Florida Keys and standing in front of this huge billboard on you know, our morning walk with my wife for timeshare unit and the in the Keys, and I looked at all the checklists. Uh, you know, here's what you get for timeshare ownership, and I'm you know I'm on the ground looking way up at the billboard here, and I said, Hey, I wonder if we can do a puzzle series like that, where in this case we started with six people buy six puzzles different puzzles, and we rotate the six among the six. And at the end, uh, you get one of the six puzzles. And so that's exactly what we do. They, they finish the puzzle, they send it back in, 
Uh, we asked them to send it back in chunks so we can reassemble it and fix any missing pieces or touch it up. And then we resend it out again. And so they get six different puzzles and they keep one of them for this timeshare program. Steve, is there any puzzle that you yourself couldn't complete? And actually, playing off of that, have you ever released a puzzle that simply could not be resolved? Yes, and it got me in huge trouble. I thought I was so smart. I was so (laughs) full of myself. And so I came up with a five-piece puzzle, okay? Easy, simple. Thank you, finally, for an easy puzzle, Steve. That's right. So it was named, it was was, uh, shaped uh, as as a bagel. It was a hole in the middle, and it had a circular visual. It was a it was a uh, King Arthur scene, and with castles going around, and and rivers, and horses, and whatever. And it was, you know, you could from the tip of your thumb to the tip of your uh, your, your longest finger, you can you could you that was span the puzzle. So it wasn't giant, but it was five pieces. But I made one of the pieces lot bigger than would fit. <laughs> okay, and I and I I took this as for my trick puzzle. It was a trick puzzle, but I didn't tell them that. Well, you released it on it, April Fools, didn't you? Yes, yeah. yes, it was an April Fools puzzle, and I and I advertised it five easy pieces, uh, <laughs> five easy and, and pieces. April Fools puzzle. As we sold right off the bat, we sold forty puzzles. Okay, and way back when it was like you know ninety dollars or a hundred dollars, and I was so proud of myself, full of myself, and I was sent out to forty puzzles. And it was dead silence <laughs> for a month, six weeks. And then Mr. Mr. Watson calls up uh, six weeks later and I said, he's placing a big order. And I said, by the way, Mr. Watson, how are you doing with the uh, five easy pieces? That goddamn puzzle been driving me crazy forever. I, uh, I'm not going to, you know, don't give me a hint, but I'll figure out one of these days. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. And that, you actually I got heard, had to give people money back. Yeah. They were all pissed <laughs> off at me. Uh, hey, how are you how are you doing in COVID? Because I keep reading that we're we like doing puzzles, we're staying home, we're doing a lot more of that sort of thing. Is business up? Huge. Huge. We can't keep up with it. Normally during the summer, we have summer prices, basically half price. Uh and but we've had holiday prices all summer long, and so we have a huge volume, and we're making you know a good bit of money off this. And we are healthy, and no one in the shop has got the COVID yet. Knock on wood here, and so we have been cranking away. We had to shut down for a month in March because that was the state of Vermont's uh, edict. But they let us reopen, and we've been very very careful. Uh, and it, we we cannot keep up with it. It's just. Here, you look at the prices of our puzzles, and you say, whoa, you know, this is crazy. But uh, people are hooked on us, on our puzzles, on the reputation, and they they won't take a step down uh, for a laser cut puzzle because they they can afford our puzzles. They just want more of them. So we've been – it's very ironic, but, you know, we have been very, very successful and are doing great. Steve, we are the Accutron show. We talk a lot about watches here, and watches is a big collector sort of culture. Uh, and obviously, there's some people who are big aficionados here. Do you find that these puzzles are things that people do? They do the same puzzle over and over again. These things become almost like heirlooms inside a family that get passed down the same way a watch would. Oh, absolutely. You know, I'm talking about Mr. Lilly, who who, who bought uh, 
50000 a year for 20 years. That was a lot of puzzles. <laughs> yeah. And uh, when he died, then his huge collection to disperse to his kids and then to the grandkids. And now, years later, we are, we are getting calls from the grandkids wanting their own individual puzzles because it's somebody's birthday or anniversary. And they say, that, you know, they've got a closet full of our old state puzzles there that they keep doing over and over again. And so it's a, many of our customers have 50 to 100 of our puzzles. And, and they, during this crisis, is, we've been getting calls and letters saying they just pull out a new puzzle, you know, every week and work on it or whatever. So they have this they have this gold mine of a beautiful puzzles that they are tapping now. Well, I'll tell you that some people do part with them because I went on eBay last night and there are about 70 uh stave puzzles for sale and for hundreds and sometimes thousands of dollars. So, congratulations. I guess my one of my last questions would be, why do we like doing puzzles? Uh, I read some psychology about it that said there's something satisfying and intelligent about actually dropping those pieces into place and solving it. But why do you think we like puzzles? I'll tell you. I'll, I'll tell you why. Because I, when I did this small puzzle, I sent you guys, and we were working on it yesterday and today. It came back to me, uh, knowing I'll be talking to you, to you gentlemen. Uh, if you're looking at 50 pieces there on the table, this is the size of this puzzle, and so you say, okay, this is chaos. And so your goal is to make order out of chaos. You want to you want to take control of the situation. And so, you know, that's goal number one. And as soon as you fit one piece together uh, with another, that feels very, very good. So there's a little rush of endorphins uh, that's, that just gives you another boost. I say, okay. Uh, I get one piece. Oh, uh, I won't go to bed until I get another one, or I won't make supper. You know, many husbands have written notes saying, you know, Steve, you know, my wife loves your puzzles, but, you know, I had to order takeout because she won't, you know, break away and <laughs> fix a meal or something like that. So, uh, so A, you know, A and B, uh, uh, you get the endorphins, you're making order out of chaos, but your memory remembers as I got deeper into this puzzle, I was intuitively, visually, the memory was guiding me. So, you know, okay, that piece goes there. I wasn't even thinking about it. It's a visual subconscious thing telling me to pick up this piece and put it over there. Uh, and so it is a great distraction. And many of our customers say that they come home from work and they love to work in a puzzle because they can unwind. They might have a drink in their hand, too. And so, but they, it really helps them uh, unwind and, and also uh, charge up the batteries. Well, we have, we could ask a million more puzzling questions and, and, and you've piqued our interest. I think if anyone listening doesn't know about you, they will now because, uh, this is an amazing company and an amazing story. Uh, and we really, really appreciate you spending the time with us today. And, and to conclude, I am holding in my left hand an Accutron watch given to me by <laughs> graduation in 1961 from Kobe college by my mother. Now I got to I got to find a battery to, to get it working. But it's a, it's a, it's a, it is a it is a beautiful watch. So I'm I'm really excited for Accutron. And, and Citizen Watches oh, for you. reintroducing this beautiful uh, beautiful watch. Oh, Something great, tells Steve. me you send us a puzzle. I think we can send you a battery. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I got a feeling. <laughs> Steve Richardson. All right. Well, you guys have been great. You've been so great. Thanks for your interest. On behalf of Cool Hunting's David Graver and Bon Vivant Scott Alexander, I'm Bill McCuddy for the Accutron Show. Thanks for listening. 
Thank you for listening to The Accutron Show. To hear all our shows, visit AccutronWatch.com. For upcoming guests as well as behind-the-scenes action, follow us on Instagram at AccutronWatch. From the 29th floor of the Empire State Building, until next time, Accutron time. Set your tuning forks.